What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the End Game Podcast, the daily fitness education hosted by a personal trainer. I've been doing this for a very long time. I say very long only because the, the average personal trainer stays in the industry for, I think, around a year or two years. It's very seldom that a trainer gets to mastery, the level of mastery, if we're talking about an apprenticeship, uh, if you're a pipe fitter, if you're a mechanic, if you're a carpenter, if you're a doctor, if you're somebody, you, you stay in study for the average of what used to be seven years. I think you know different apprenticeships go from four years in the journeyman and then two or three years to the master and, and all those different things. So personal training actually doesn't have that. It has, you go in, you try and give someone a workout, you most likely give them workouts that probably hurt them or you know, a leading back doctor in the world named Dr. Stuart McGill or one of the leading back doctors said he gets half of his clients from personal trainers doing movement patterns incorrectly. So he's fixing back problems from from PTs. Now, you don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be me. Fortunately, I've only hurt one person. It was very mild uh, and it was doing a plank. So, you know, very limited. Um, But what we can do as personal trainers is we can learn from those before us. We can take courses from personal trainers who've been doing this long enough and courses that have been built by people um, that are really, really impressive. So, this conversation today, because there's no like tried and true method, if this is science, the best way to understand, and a big question I get and why this whole topic today is inspired is because people are like, I don't know which information to trust. This guy's telling me this, that guy's telling me that. I don't want to know if I want to try this diet or that diet. Or I don't know if I want to try that workout program or this workout program. Like, There's science behind most of this, but science is the best guess of the day. If you walk down what the seven step scientific method is, it's like hypothesize observe, experiment, all these different things, right? So (laughs) I obviously didn't go through the seven because I'm pretty sure I probably wouldn't get them right. (laughs) I'm a science-based guy and I don't know the seven-step scientific method. Either way, this is not about what you can memorize. This is about which information to trust. Um, So super excited to share this with you today. Stay tuned. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kyle Roche, and this is The Daily Fitness Education, the podcast designed to highlight how anyone can become successful in any endeavor at all in life. Learning every day. I'll discuss something that I've learned in the past, something I may have learned that day, or something that I'm about to learn. Through books, mentors, courses, formal education, colleagues, and practical steps with clients, You can listen along through the lens of a personal trainer and the healthy enthusiasts around me and learn from my trials and tribulations as to how to achieve the intangible habits to pursue your own future in fitness. All right, Endgame Addicts, let's crush this. So I have a lot of clients and they consistently are coming up to me, not every day, this isn't every single session, but I get it probably once or twice a week. Someone comes up and says, Kyle, I don't know which information to trust. You're telling me this, I had this magazine telling me that, I don't really know what's happening or why. Uh, Truth is, science changes, and it depends on the study that they're referring to, in which controlled sample and how to read stuff. Okay, so oftentimes in science, there's two different ways to observe something. You can have stat-based things where you're specifically using measurement tools like stuff that measures calories or measures body fat or measures muscle mass and muscle density and you can use so many different things, air displacement plethysmographers and bioelectric impedances and I'm not trying to throw words at you to confuse them, I'm just saying there's a lot of tech that you can use to measure things quantitatively. This is quantitative research. 
Then there is qualitative research, which is based on interviews and conversations and samples over time. To be able to collect enough data to make a theory, uh, not even plausible, just make a theory, uh, you have to be able to take a certain sample of the population, large enough to say it's consistent enough to then say that we can ground a theory on it for human use and then apply it to humans over time. Um, what the size of the sample is is dependent on what the theory is and what you're trying to solve. So to say all of those little details is complicated. But that being said, that is how you define research. Now, science is consistently happening, right? It's happening all the time. And it is, it, it is difficult to trust, right? It's difficult to know which things you should be doing. But what I keep saying to clients is we're gonna experiment our way out of this. We're gonna problem solve our way through these things and we're gonna see if this stuff truly applies to you. Because for me, when I was learning how to build muscle, I didn't know exactly the right sets to do and the right tempos and the right orders and the right you know combinations. But through time, sifting through information, going from a, prof a, a professional that I trust to another professional that I trust, um, and then seeing which one sounds like it makes more sense based on what the, all the smart people around me are talking about, right? You, when you work and take courses, as I discussed in the intro, about doctors uh, or from personal trainers who have been doing this in the industry for a very long time, like oftentimes we look at the most jacked guy and we're like, that guy must know what he's talking about. It's like, maybe. Or maybe he was just wealthy enough to eat like a frickin' horse and take some steroids, right? Because that's, that's likely. I mean... I'm looking at, I'm studying marketing information right now, which is super interesting. And I'm learning about how to reach more people and help more people with my purpose, which is, if you don't know, my purpose is to help more people move. It's to help more people achieve health and fitness for a long term, but also look sweet and feel strong in the process, right? Like, look good naked. Like, that's cool, right? Um, I care about how I look. I think it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but at the same time, at the end of the day, this is really just my purpose is to help millions of people move. And as such, I need to learn about marketing, but I'm watching this super successful marketing guy, not to pick on him, I'm not even gonna name drop because he doesn't deserve it, right? He's super capable at selling programs, but the things that he's teaching don't really make any sense, right? Like, if we dive into the biomechanics of a shoulder, doing a shoulder press, which is pushing dumbbells from your shoulder to above your head, if you do it behind your head, you're putting a ton of stress on the glenohumeral joint and a ton of stress on the labrum, which is essentially the ligament between your shoulder socket and your shoulder, okay? I'm throwing, I'm throwing words at you not to make this complicated. I might even be wrong here, but this is just to suggest that this has been studied in depth to suggest that putting things behind your head in a loaded fashion is not good for you. Yet this guy is selling millions and millions of products, okay? So there is two sides. There's two sides to this whole thing. Who can I trust? right um, and what kind of what kind of information to support it well science is consistently evolving last this year the rest timing to be able to build muscle in between sets has changed significantly based off a doctor named dr schoenfeld now i'm dropping names and things like in studies that do and don't matter but i'm just suggesting that it's always changing and they're always finding new impressive literature and samples and journals to be able to recall and use for new theories to apply to humans cool that's what we're trying to do as personal trainers we're trying to sift through information and apply the best stuff to help you as an individual improve your lifestyle and well-being right um the problem is that we think that the people who are the fittest 
right, who, who look awesome, uh, know the best, right? Um, and that's not always the case. And um, unfortunately, it might be the really skinny guy who simply just does cardio because the number one indication of long-term well-being is cardiovascular health, not muscle, right? Maybe he's a runner, he's gonna live to 100, right? But he also knows how to you know, effectively put on muscle. Right? We don't believe this because we're like, well, they don't know. They don't have it. So how do they know? It's like, well, knowledge doesn't work that way. Just because you haven't seen my, my balance sheets and my bank statements doesn't, doesn't show you whether or not I, I look over my numbers every month. You have no idea if I have any financial health. Just because I have a certain look to me or demeanor really doesn't make any sense. Like I know how to audit whether or not you see me doing it. I know how to build muscle, muscle, excuse me, whether or not, or at least the best science suggested, whether or not you see me doing it. So those are the two kind of correlations. It's like, you know, science is forever changing. And then who do we trust? Because even the most jack guys can be the biggest dummies, right? Um, and it's, it's funny, because I was like, more or less just trying to go among the trainers. And I'm like, look at this guy. What do you think, steroids? And every single one of them was like, yeah, steroids. Yeah, steroids. Like the guy was a horse. Humans aren't designed to look like horses. Right? They're designed to look like humans with some definition and, and some musculature. And depending on the body type, you can have more or less musculature. Um, if you see anyone that looks bigger or more shapely than Arnold Schwarzenegger, then they're probably on steroids because Schwarzenegger was on a very small amount of gear, a very small amount of testosterone. Right? Um, but the, the modern fitness industry has become so advanced and also become so ridiculous that uh, don't go to the people who look the fittest. And I'm not saying that to, to, to slander anyone. I'm just saying that shouldn't be the metric in which you pick a personal trainer, in which you pick advice online, in which you follow programs, P90X, whatever it is, right? I'm not saying that any one program is wrong. I'm saying, how do you cultivate your fitness knowledge? And this is my best answer. Consistently over time. There it is. That's my answer. Um, so let me explain that. Learning daily consistently over time, sifting through information, right? You've got a whole life to sort this thing out. If you never get started, you're never gonna solve it. There's like, there's like three or four really important things to get right in life, okay? And this is part of life coaching and me trying to encourage clients to chase the right kind of goals because if they're like, I just want a massive chest, dude, and I'm like, no, you don't, man. Like, and I, I want you to have your massive chest and that's great, but like, trust me, a massive chest is only gonna create shoulder problems. Anyways, so, um, and that's, that's a whole different conversation. There's four parts about what makes an awesome life. And I think we'll all agree that relationships and the relationships you have in your life pretty much contribute to a good amount of your well-being. Health, how good you feel, how strong you feel, how much energy you have is super important. Wealth, the amount of money in which you can provide security for both your family, yourself, the amount of food you can support, the house you can put over your head, the, the savings you have for later in life. Not being super wealthy, but just wealth, okay? And then well-being and happiness, right? Um, contentedness, understanding emotion, understanding you know how to feel through things, understanding how to reach out for help and connect with people when you need it. Um, health, wealth, love, and happiness. The four pillars of eudaimonia from Aristotle. Okay, now Nicomachean ethics, I think it's what it's called. The takeaway is not to run around a bunch of philosophy, but just to understand we have to consistently work at just those four things. If you are 35 years old. You've got a whole other half of your life to live. If you figured out the money thing and you have a house over your head and you're eating decent food and you can afford more things, then the next steps are relationships, your overall contented well-being and experience and going to try different stuff and playing different sports or just chilling with that one, and then health. 
okay? I would recommend you put health first because it gives you a lot more time to do the wealth, the happiness, and, and everything else, right? And the uh, relationships, right? Health, wealth, love, happiness. So takeaways is if you get the health thing right, everything else can just slide into place. You can be doing this piece by piece, learning like this podcast, watching a YouTube video a week, learning a little bit about more, a little bit more about science. If you're following some intelligent people who care about the science, right? Um, when it, when we say it's backed by science, what we're saying is it's backed by the most credible information today, based on the best kind of sampling, the best kind of studies on human trials, right? So just so you understand what information to listen to. Oftentimes, the best, not often, but you know, just to say, the people that look a certain way might not look that way because they actually know what they're talking about. They might have a ton of chemical enhancement and a ton of wealth to be able to afford, to afford a ton of food, which in and of itself, there's a strong correlation between eating the amount of calories you eat and the, the amount of time you live, right? World power athlete named Dan John said, I lifted for a specific outcome and now I have to change my lifestyle because I'm going to die young if I don't eat less and if I don't train in more appropriate ways, if I don't work on mechanical function and improving my life, right? I'm saying synthesize that. I'm saying improve mechanical function, eat well, eat enough so that you can gain muscle, grow, look cool, feel strong, but don't worry if you're a pipe fitter or if you're a teacher about being a world-class power lifter, right? Your wealth goal, if you check these boxes in this way, and ego, it's a fickle thing. Like the ego is a complicated thing. So I can't tell you exactly how to live, but how I would recommend is if you're not gonna be making your money and making your wealth in power lifting, it's not something you should be doing too much. Okay, I'm not saying I don't power lift. I'm just saying I don't power lift all the time, right? I'm not saying I don't bodybuild it. I just don't bodybuild all the time. It's not my always training schedule. It mixes around, it shifts because I like health and fitness. What I'm encouraging you to do is to like health and fitness and then over time, you will learn piece by piece like I have right? Let's say in 10 years, you're in the best shape of your life. You can run a mile in under six minutes and you can deadlift half your weight. Um, and you have a heart rate below 60 beats per minute. And, um, you know, let's say those are some of the metrics you have 10 years. Is that worth it? Right? Like if you're 30, when you're 40, you can still have those metrics. Like those are, those are possible numbers. If you did exactly, not exactly, but if you did something similar, cause I have those metrics, not to brag, but just I do. Okay. If you chip away at this thing over the course of the next 10 years, like why is health viewed any differently as your work, as your relationships, as your, you know, going through school? Why do we think that health has to happen in a 90 day program instead of happening just the way your career does? You work through four years of school to be a journeyman or, you know, apprenticeship to be a journeyman and then three years to be a master. Like, you know, a total of seven, why are you not looking at health in the exact same way? Why are you not looking like, okay, the next three years, I'm just gonna absorb as much as I possibly can in my, in my leisure time when I'm not, you know, super stressed out and need to chill out and have a beer with a friend, like be a human, right? But like when you want to go and learn, learn some, just keep pulling in information. And if it counter, it contradicts itself, try and ask yourself why? Is it because that the sampling or the change in science is suggesting something new? Should I try and apply it? Or is this meathead saying stuff that doesn't make any sense? Right? Meatball could be, you know, could be anyone, right? So you have to kind of weigh things logically, but you only understand common sense if you 
the common sense is not common sense. I can't speak German. That's not a common language for me. Yet, someone can say common sense in German, and I would be like, what is that? What do those words mean? Common sense is experiential in nature. You have to experience something for it to be common sense. Fair? So, you're not going to be able to decipher fitness information right away, but don't worry. Just like in a career, the first month on the job, you're going to have no idea what anyone's saying. You're going to be super anxious about losing your job and performing at your best. Like, remember what your first job was like when you were a kid? You were like afraid of everything. At least I was. I was like, man, I got to work all the time and hustle and move fast and like all this stuff. And I, and I do those things now and try and do my best work at work. But the outcome is more or less like, why is fitness any different? If you, you can view it through that lens, like it's a slow, grindy process over time, then you'll start to realize that this stuff is all the same, right? So the outcome today is how do I trust information? You don't, right? You don't trust information. You stay the course. You keep at the grind, right? If I've given someone poor information, I used to say to all of my clients when I first started training, I said, you're my guinea pig. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm learning stuff like all the time. I'm pulling in new information. I'm taking courses, reading books. You're going to be my guinea pig. And they're like, what do you mean? You don't know what you're doing? I'm like, oh, dude, I'll give you your results. No problem. I've been doing this for like, you know, five years. You'll get, you'll get some muscle and you'll feel stronger and you, you know, you'll feel better and have more energy. But trust me, you're my guinea pig. Like I am testing stuff on you. Why? Because I'm consistently pulling in new information, right? The, the kind of coach I am now, and I still have lots to learn and grow into. I'm very naive. A big saying for me is we are all naive yesterday. I'm, I'm five times the coach I was two years ago, right? I'm hoping with a consistent lens of daily learning, helping, teaching you guys. Best way to learn is to teach, by the way. Neurologically, the best way to learn a concept is to teach it. So I am selfishly learning new concepts and reinforcing my teaching skills by hosting this podcast for you, right? So through this constant lens of improvement, you will create outcomes for yourself and your health. And that, that would be my best way of really kind of diving into the daily fitness education, just go and find a YouTube video. Go to Athlete X, go to Jeff Nippard, go to Jeremy Ether, go to Elliot Hulse, go to Gorilla Zen Fitness, Blake Bowman, go to the End Game Training, you know, the End Game Fitness, I don't even know how to say my own product. The End Game Fitness, the End Game Training System, like go and check out people that you find credible and just see if what they're making makes, saying makes sense, right? Like. That, that would be my best advice. And, I, and I'm hoping this one kind of hit it home for you today. Very passionate about learning, um, but not learning dumb information. I, I, I did a conversation for the coaches today, talked about uh, fascial awareness and, and understanding how to correct clients through corrective exercise and fixing imbalances and improving pain and reducing pain. Um, and I was like, I get excited about stuff. You guys all know this, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, you know what I don't like? Things that don't make sense. I don't like stuff that doesn't work. I don't like things that don't connect you from A to B. If it's not worth my time, it's not in my time. If it's dumb, I don't want to be around it. If it's a stupid thought, if it's like Monday sucks, like I don't want to hear it. If you want to be negative and you want to bitch about something, like get away from me. Do not go into my world, right? That does not work for me. It doesn't make sense. Understanding corrective exercise, having good perspectives and working at yourself and chipping away, work before play does make sense to me. That, that 100% makes sense. And as I go through these trials and tribulations, I'm going to take y'all along with me. So 
super excited. I got more content coming for you tomorrow. As I learn things, as clients ask questions, as I give them my answers, I will give those answers to you, I promise. This is all about your future in fitness. Take it seriously. You only get one life. There's absolutely no dress rehearsal, people. See you tomorrow.